Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. That's me, boy. What a beautiful morning we have. It's in the 40s right now. We're on our way to close to 70 degrees here in Utah's Dixie here in St. George. Great great to have you along. This is the Andy Griffin Show. I'll be here until 10 o'clock. I've got a couple of cool guests scheduled. We'll take some phone calls as well. It's going to be a fun hour on this Tuesday morning, the second day of March. Joining me right off the bat is Alan Stevo. Alan is an author and a, uh, a writer. He's a guy who gets around. Alan, I'm, not, I'm like looking around for stuff that you've published and you've written. You're all over the place, my friend. I I like to publish quite a bit from print newspapers to, to small town newspapers to any any website that uh is where where the audience is full of courage and, and eager eager to get out there and act and do and to, to, to change the environment around them. Oh man, I love to hear that. You know, and, and that's kind of been a recurrent theme in recent weeks here on this program. Is uh, it's you know it's it's time to stop uh, watching. It's time to stop complaining at home, and it's time to start doing stuff. Uh, one of the issues we've had here in Southern Utah, uh, we have a, a university here in this town, Dixie State University. Uh, the cancel culture and uh, and the uh, actually the leadership of the university wants to get rid of the name Dixie because they they deem it to be uh, of racist origin. And therefore, they want to get rid of the name Dixie. That's been quite a battle we've had going on. And actually had a really great rally yesterday uh, to try to defeat that bill that has been put together in, in the Utah Congress. But uh, like I said, Alan, this is the time where we need to stop observing. We need to start doing. Absolutely. You know, I don't I don't know the history of Dixie personally. I don't know anything about that school. There's there's this fantastic uh, author author I like to read. He he. He says something about all adults, but he says it specifically to men and about political correctness. He who is afraid to anger or offend is not yet a man. Ah, it's, it's not our job. It's not our job to say, am I going to offend someone with my values? Am I going to anger someone by stating my values? Our job is to state our values and to be ourselves and to be true to ourselves and to be clear to everyone else about what we're about. Well, it, it should not bother us if doing so angers someone else. Well, but but it does take some courage sometimes because we all care. I mean, whether we like it or not, we care about what other people think about us. And so sometimes, I mean, you mentioned courage, courage to be a man, courage to be a, an individual. That can be hard sometimes, Alan. You are you are so right. And this the the reason the reason I wrote face masks in one lesson was so many people so many people were writing me saying, hey. Uh, these, these lockdowns are, are no good, but even beyond the lockdowns are the face masks. And how do I, I go to the compliance checkpoint, I yell a little bit, they send me home. They won't let me shop. Um, how do I do this? How do I do this? And the techniques, they're meant to kind of uh, calm down the situation at the compliance checkpoint, get you through there unmasked. I live in left coast lockdown land, a little bit to the west of you, uh-huh. and it is... Many, many masked people, lots of checkpoints, lots of rules. I never wear a mask, ever for any reason. And I believe uh, those, those of your, your listeners who feel like the mask is nonsense, the book gives them some ammunition on why the mask is nonsense, and it gives a lot of ammunition on how to never wear that mask again, to do it safely, legally, with very little conflict. Let's talk about your book. It's Face Masks in One Lesson, just barely out, right? And it's already a bestseller, is that true? It, it 
first week, first week it was a, a bestseller at, for its uh, Amazon category. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow, way to go. That's people, awesome. People wanted it. This is uh, obviously a, a topic we all care about. We have an interesting situation at my uh, my company here in that we are owned by a, a company in Colorado. They are much more caught up in the in the well, like you said, the lockdown and, and being careful and you know the wearing of the mask and everything. In Utah, we've been much more liberal about that kind of thing. Uh, you can generally speaking not wear a mask around almost everywhere you go here in especially in southern Utah and not be bothered by it, but. It is actually a requirement. When you walk around the office in my company right here, you've got to put a mask on. It's been an interesting little uh, dichotomy here for us. This this might be uh, – I, I might be negating my, my technique by mentioning it to you on the radio right now, but this is – Andy, if you, ever, if you ever want to speak off the radio about how I can kind of help help push things forward with you. And I do that. I've got a red website, realfebo.com. Anyone who signs up for the email and responds to that email, if they need help personally with something, we have a little bit of a help desk that helps people kind of navigate things, but you don't need that. You don't need that. Really? All you need, all you need. My book goes through a bunch of stuff, but what's going to help you through a lot of situations is just looking to have a conversation with someone and being able to say to them, there's this, this phrase that works very well in many situations. I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. And I'm not asking anyone to lie. There's many millions of Americans who can't wear a face mask safely. That, that's one thing. And if you look at these orders, if you look at the policies, if you look at your own company's policy, there's probably an exemption in there somewhere. Almost every company of a certain size has an exemption. Yeah. Uh, there's 3,000-plus counties in the U.S. All these counties have exemptions written into the, into the order, buried somewhere in paragraph 789. And this is something I couldn't have said it the same way, perhaps, uh, in, in February 2020. But at this point, there's so many studies from 2020 that talk about the, the psychological effects of wearing a mask, the biological effects, the sociological effects of wearing a mask. It is not safe for anyone to be wearing a mask. In my unexpert opinion, having read many hundreds of studies uh, over, uh, on COVID and, and masks over the, past, over the past year, and this is something that the individual must decide. It's not for me. It's not for a public health professional to decide. It's for the individual to be able to decide for themselves, am I able to wear this mask safely? And then it's entirely legitimate to say to someone, I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. I'd like to do X, Y, Z activity. I'd like to come by your store 2 p.m. I'd like to continue working from the office. What can you do for me? And let them speak. Yeah. Now, I, I have a friend, actually a listener of this show, who uh, does can't just doesn't feel good wearing a mask, doesn't get the oxygen he needs. He's had some health issues, and he, and, and he doesn't feel like he can wear a mask. But he has been... I don't want to use the word shamed, but he has been a kind of a, kind of a talked into. Well, he just doesn't really go anywhere. He's like, I'd rather stay home than have to deal with people giving me the look or giving me the lecture about not wearing a mask. What would you say to What would you say to him? If If you're listening right now, sir, um, I wanna I wanna commend you for not wearing that mask first of all, and for understanding the nonsense. And and I also want to say. I'm not asking you to storm Omaha Beach right now. I'm not telling you that's going to protect your freedom. I'm not asking you to spend your Christmas in a fetid French trench saying that's going to protect your freedom. No one needs to put their life on the line to protect their freedom in this situation. We live in a time where with a little bit of courage, a little bit of pushback, you can protect freedom day by day. And it's not. We don't have to change the whole world to have our freedoms protected. That's a little bit of a, elections are important, but that's a little bit of a misnomer about elections, saying, oh, we need to change X, Y, and Z's opinion, then there's freedom. No, no, no. Freedom, freedom happens in your own life, 
in your family's life, when you can say, when you can say, for example, I'm not going to wear this face mask, you're building this little bit of courage. And maybe the first time you do it, you might be a little bit scared. Maybe the second time you do it, you might be a little bit scared too. By the next few times, it becomes second nature. It, it, it's, you, you just tell yourself, I'm living to a higher standard. I'm not going to wear that mask. I'm going to have the conversations with people who allow me to not wear a mask. Very seldom will you be turned away from a business having an honest, calm conversation with a manager. Very seldom. And, uh, and the book goes into those kinds of situations that other, you know, 95% of the time, that calm conversation does the job. The other 5%, the book has spends a lot of time on at the grocery store, in the, uh, at work, uh, at school, at jury duty, whatever, many, many examples. And what I want to say to your friend, what I want to say to your friend is please stop hiding. The, yeah. the, the world around you needs you to be an example right now. And it's so common in society to say, well, the people older than me, those are the ones who are supposed to lead. The people in positions of governmental authority, those are the ones who are supposed to lead. You know, sometimes the people older than us, they may not have the ability to lead. Sometimes the people in governmental authority, they might not have the ability to lead or the sense. Your friend sounds like someone with sense and ability to lead, and I just hope that he'll step forward and realize the kind of ripples he can send through the world by simply going unmasked. Furthermore, if he can say no to that mask, I have no question he can say no to the, that vaccine. He can say no to the next time they say, look at that group of people over there. We need to deport them. We need to do X, Y, and Z to them like we did to the Jews. Yeah. And I don't mean deport in a, in a political immigration sense. I'm not trying to go there. But, but what of, whatever inhumane thing may be done to someone, whatever nonsense political idea may be done to someone, he has built a little bit more courage to be able to say no to it. And this, this is where the face mask starts. It's such a good step in that right direction. Alan, there's someone right now listening to this program who is saying, hey, this guy's irresponsible. He's going to get us all killed with COVID-19. What, what is wrong with Alan Stevo? What would you say to them? Oh, I thank you so much for asking that question. That's, you know, that's, um, I start face masks in one lesson with what is the, the finest study of 2020. And it's not from, you know, uh, Uncle, Uncle Joe's uh, janky, janky Yahoo page website or anything like that. It's, <laughs> it's from the CDC. It's from a peer-reviewed journal on emerging infectious, uh, called Emerging Infectious Disease, a peer-reviewed journal of epidemiology. Uh, it came out May 2020, inconvenient to the official narrative. It came out April 3rd. The CDC uh, political folks said, uh, everyone must mask up. Three weeks later, this article comes out, um, and it looks at uh, 14 randomized controlled trials from the previous, from the past, um, with laboratory-confirmed results. This is the, the, the finest research done of the last year on face masks. And it says, hey, COVID's a really big deal. we got to figure out what is superstition and what really works. Yeah. And we got to focus on what really works. And this study... Uh, the, the lead author is Zhao, X-I-A-O, Dr. Zhao. The lead author, um, the, team, the team says face masks do not only uh, not, not prevent the spread of respiratory viruses, they may actually be harmful if used improperly. So it's not just making the argument for it may be neutral. 
It's saying it can actually be bad. And this is not even to say what does it do to the individual wearing it? What are the, the psychological, societal effects? It's not saying anything like that. It's saying if you're merely looking at the spread of respiratory viruses, it may be harmful. Man, oh, man. And yet, every, every once in a while, Alan, we hear, and this is my Anthony Fauci, and this is Tony Fauci, you need to wear two face masks, maybe four face masks. I mean, we've got this epidemiologist who's supposed to be the expert in the, in the country telling us that we got to double and, and triple and quadruple. I, I, I don't know, uh, Alan, sometimes it's, it's pretty darn frustrating to keep getting the different narratives from the, the people at the top. You know, that, that man at this point, has made himself into a total clown. Uh, mm-hmm. He he speaks about not. <laughs> he's speaking about Iran. He's speaking about the Paris Climate Accords. He's speaking about one mask, two masks. He's speaking about not just nasal swabs, but maybe anal swabs for COVID nineteen. This the man. It, it, it's a joke, and uh, I, I recommend getting your medical advice in other places. Um, there have been times in the past where. Uh, People have where the medical profession has said things like, uh, you know, it's it's a, a good idea for pregnant women to smoke camel cigarettes. Um, <laughs> public health professionals have, have said things like in order to spread the stop of Del- Dutch elm disease, which is a serious thing. Um, we need to spread DDT. We need to spray DDT in every residential neighborhood. And uh it's not dangerous for you. It's okay for the kids to be all over the place while the DDT spring is happening and having fun t- chasing the DDT spraying truck, right? This, the medical health profession gets it wrong once in a while. The, the doctors can get it wrong once in a while. And this is, you know, this is a beautiful thing about medicine. It goes back 2,500 years to the Hippocratic Oath, at least, this kind of concept that it's, it's doctor and patient together against the world. And it's individual doctor, individual patient, and public health comes around in the 1870s, 1880s, and, and it has a very different idea. It says, how can we as a community vote to say, what should Andy's medical care look like? Instead of it being Andy gets to decide what Andy's medical care looks like and make decisions for himself. So this is a very different concept, and we need to be careful when our doctor gets into this kind of public health thinking. We can't have these one-size-fits-all approaches. It's just bad medicine. It's, it's preposterous. And anyone, anyone should reject anyone who comes at them and says, well, I have a one-size-fits-all approach for everyone in society. No, I'm sorry. We are individuals. We're made in the likeness of God, and you do not have one-size approach, one-size-fits-all approaches for individuals. This is not how a doctor should operate. Yeah, well said. We're talking with Alan Stevo. He's the author of the newly released book, Face Masks in One Lesson. Alan, uh, oftentimes when we write a book, and I, I'm, a, I'm an author as well, when we write a book, though, there's some kind of something that sparks the inspiration for it all. Uh, in your case, it's probably pretty obvious, but what was your biggest inspiration for putting this thing down on paper? It, it made itself. I, I write um, two to three times a week at a website, lourockwell.com. It's, I love writing at that website because they, they, uh, the editor puts the author's email address in the, the byline. So if you do something that's just preposterous in your writing, uh, you hear it right away. It's not uh-huh. hidden in some comment section you can ignore. My inbox blows up. And what I heard over and over again was about these face masks and trying to pass the compliance checkpoint. And 500 people approximately and I would go back and forth for several months saying, hey, in, in Arizona, this technique worked for Pat. In New Hampshire, this technique worked for Karen. At Menards, this didn't work. At Sprouts, this didn't work. But, but at the, the Safeway, this worked. 
over and over again, we had these conversations by email mostly. The, built, the, the book built itself. It, it, I, I, am, I became an expert by simply communicating with my readers. And uh, the book is really about how to never wear a face mask again. Thousands of people are using this uh, face mask in one lesson to not wear a face mask. And they're not, I'm not asking you to yell at anyone. That doesn't have to happen. It can be real calm stuff. There's nothing to be scared about here. Same time, you're building your courage. The website is RealStevo, S-T-E-V-O, RealStevo.com. You can sign up for his newsletter. You can learn more about the book, Face Masks, in, in one lesson. We're talking with Alan Stevo, the author. Alan, you write about a lot of things. It seems like you're a guy who really, really likes to read, really likes to write. Uh, what, what kind of a, I don't know, obviously you're a conservative, maybe a constitutionalist. What kind of, uh, politically, where are you? Uh, <laughs> where am I politically here? I, uh, I got to spend a few years, um, after, after college, uh, as a missionary in Bratislava, Slovakia. And, uh, I, I got to spend my weekend speaking with people about what communism was like for them. And I spent years studying communism. I didn't know why I had such an obsession with it. Once upon a time, I was a, a goofy, uh, indoctrinated, young man like many young men and women in this country who, who thought, oh, the government is great. Bigger, bigger government is great. You know what? The story I heard over and over again in, in uh, former Czechoslovakia, which, which had 41 years of miserable communism imposed upon them, the story I heard over and over again was in 1948, it started with a stolen election. 41 years later, that's how long it lasted. 41 years later, the children of that generation said, why didn't you stop it? You couldn't have done whatever it took to stop that from happening, to have us live 41 miserable years like that. You couldn't have worked harder. Andy, that's where I am politically. Awesome. Awesome. I love you. You you okay to take a couple of phone calls, Alan? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. The line two caller, you're on with Alan Stevo and Andy this morning. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning, Andy. Good morning, Alan. I uh, really appreciate the uh, uh, guest that you have on today, Andy. Uh, he's got some actionable items, and that's what we need. The feel-good stuff is uh, fine, but uh, Alan's got actionable things that we can do. And so, first of all, I'd just like to say, Alan, I haven't, uh, me nor my wife, have worn a mask for uh, months. And we run into areas where we're ignored, and then other people, it's like the Gestapo that's on top of you. But I have found that because, you know, wearing a mask, there's a correct way to do it. Most people that wear it aren't doing it, and they're wearing masks that are weeks old. So what I do is when I'm confronted, and this happened just a couple of days ago at Costco, I, uh, I was told I cannot check out if I don't put on my mask. So I put it around my chin. My mouth was exposed. My nose was exposed. But that satisfied the requirement. He's got a mask on. We're all safe. <laughs> And so, you know, there's all kinds of things. And another that I do all the time, when I see another person not wearing a mask, I thank them. Thank you for not wearing a mask. And so I, I applaud your efforts. Uh, Alan, I'm uh, probably going to get your book. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, Andy, to your point about caring what other people think, I do what, uh, what care about what other people think of me but not to the point of denying who I am and what I believe. If they don't like what I say, well, I'm sorry that you don't like it, but I'm not going to not say it because you don't like it. 
And so, Alan, thank you for your book. Thank you for your courage and for your voice. And uh, I'll uh, listen to the uh, rest of the comments. You're a, a very interesting fellow. All right. Thank you. Alan, thoughts? That's I, I am so happy to hear how he's behaving out there in the world. Uh, you know, Costco can be a hard one, and you guys live in a special neck of the woods where, you know, the, the maybe just putting it on the chin is enough for the cashier to say, listen, he, he had it on. Leave me alone, Mr. Manager. Um, <laughs> if, you can have, if you can have a conversation, sometimes you go in and you're not sure what's going to happen. You kind of squirm waiting for someone to come after you. No one comes after you, and you're like, okay, I'm home free. If you want to avoid that, if you can have a quick conversation before you walk in, look up the name of the store on your phone. I'm coming by. I'm coming by in three minutes. I see you have a face mask policy. I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. What can you do for me? If you can kind of start there, a lot of stores, they're just going to say, oh, yeah, just, just come by. Come to the front door. We, 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 we know there's people like that out there who can't wear it safely. They just leave it alone. That happens so often, and that helps you to avoid that just squirming few minutes where you walk in the door not knowing if someone's going to come after you or not then you can say hey i spoke to jay the manager he said it was okay oh jay knows this guy okay it must be okay they leave you alone it works very well hmm. that's a technique over and over again mentioned in my book a little planning a little forethought there good idea alan hey let's take a one more phone call before we uh, let you go and go to weather break uh hey uh, seth you're on with alan and i you're real quick got about two minutes all right. Uh, in, in the military, uh, when I went in at 16, I was required to wear a mask in a toxic environment. Had I put on any mask that you can find in the civilian uh, population, most of the mask on the back of the mask said, not for medical use, this is a dust mask. And uh, if I'd have worn one, two things would have happened. Number one, I would have died on the spot. If I had not died and recovered and was sick, they would rehab me, and, and uh, as soon as I was well enough, they'd put me in prison. <laughs> so uh, as far as I can tell, no mask, and even Fauci said masks don't work. They don't fit. They, they become wet and inefficient. Um, there's leaks in them. I see people with huge beards. You can't seal a mask with a beard. And, uh, and it causes something called mask knee. People are breaking out on their chins. Mm -hmm. They can't breathe. There's, uh, there are so many flaws with this and the fact that uh, the chances of you dying are one-tenth of one percent. Uh, and uh, you'll probably die of the, few, of the flu. So uh, I want to commend you for taking this brave approach. And uh, I even heard Fauci mention the other day that maybe you should wear three masks. <laughs> so I, I just want to applaud you for what you're doing. And I think I hope more people, people would rather not fight. So, uh, you know, if I have to get into a conversation, Steve apparently is better at it than I am. Uh, I wear this gator thing that you can see through nearly, and I put it around my neck. And when I walk through the door, I might pull it up, and then as soon as I get 10 feet beyond the door, I take it down. Perfect. Thank you, Seth. Got to run. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Alan, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on today. I wish we could have you on for uh, two or three shows in a row. So we could, I know you have some other topics you're really good at, but uh, just th- this topic on face masks and one lesson, I think it's a good lesson for all of us. Pick up the book, folks, uh, out, therealstevo.com. And, and what, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, where, where else can we find it, Alan? Anywhere, anywhere you buy books online, you'll be able to find it, print and digital. And the website is realstevo.com. You can sign up for my email newsletter there. Uh, as things change, I'll send out notes saying, hey, try this technique, try that technique. And I'll send you a free sample of the book as well. Summarize, I think the big, the big word coming out of here is bravery. Be brave. Thank you, Alan. I totally agree with you. Thank <laughs> you, Andy. Great to talk to you today. He's Alan Stevo. I'm Andy Griffin. Welcome back to the program. Let's take a quick phone call, and then I've got a, a short recording I want to play for you. Uh, hey, you're on with Andy this morning. What's on your mind? Andy, this is George Staley. I don't know how quick I can be, and I've been on three times in 80 years, so it's been the last <laughs> month because I'm so concerned about it. As I read through the bill, the new bill, I'm excited that we have an opportunity to do a real redo and uh, spend some time in really talking about the Dixie name and et cetera. The only thing that I don't like about the bill is she says we're going to give the $500,000 to Dixie now so we can teach the culture. But anyway, I hope the President Williams will take serious his responsibility to the community. I hope that, you know, as you read the bill, it can easily be the committee that they get can easily be slanted because the board of trustees and the state board of trustees are so involved in it. But I would urge president Williams to not do like he did before at this time, he really involves the community. He doesn't misrepresent what Dixie really stands for. Uh, With what's going on in the world, you know, we all heard today that if, I looked at my little wife when she was reading the cat in the hat. She was prejudiced, you know, it was racist that she was yeah. teaching her children. That's sad to me. Uh, you read that they want to take Shakespeare out of, uh, out of the colleges, you know, or all of us that have gone up and enjoyed Shakespeare at the college of Southern Utah spent time there and how great it was. Are we all prejudiced just because I love the name Dixie? Yeah, that yeah. makes me prejudiced. I think that our society's got to change. We're going to destroy our, time our to, country if we don't. Trying to put our foot down, this. isn't it, George? It's time to put our foot yeah, down. We, we, we got to stop the silliness. I encourage us to be very vigilant about keeping the name Dixie. But I also encourage us right now that we go support the college. You know, they've got a good football team. They won their first game, and they play five more games. You should watch them on television and go to games. The girls' volleyball team is is doing really well. basketball team is doing well for the schedule they play, and the baseball team is playing schools like the University of Washington and all big schools. Yeah. we got to support them, but we've also got to be very vigilant and insisting that we keep the name Dixie, excuse me, somewhere in our, our, our name. So I would encourage all of those that have been supporting the school 
financially to keep continually to do that. But if the school unwisely goes and tries to change the name and stacks the deck on the committee, I would then recommend that we do something else with our finances, and I hate to say that because yeah. I love Dixie University. Yep. I love the school. I want to support it. The athletic program, we should go to those games. We, you know, they don't have many other activities on campus now because of the virus, but we want to support their plays and their programs that they have. So All right, George. be vigilant on keeping the name, but support Dixie College starting right now. Don't be angry. Be kind. Supportive, yeah. All right. Thank you, George. Thank you, Andy. George Staley on the air with us. I appreciate that. I had a chance. I'm going to play this real quick uh, to talk with Tim Anderson earlier this morning about the change in that bill. Here's my uh, conversation. Only about three-minute conversation with Tim Anderson. Good morning to you, 820 on News Radio 890, 94.9 KDXU. Andy Griffin with you. I've got Tim Anderson from DSUHC. That's the Defending Southwestern Utah uh, Heritage Coalition. Tim, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with with me this morning. Uh, tell sure. me a little bit about what's going on with that bill. Now, we had a great rally yesterday. Yeah, we understand the rally was great. I was up here in Salt Lake, uh, and we uh, the, the, the Senate Education Committee had a session in which they uh, actually had a substitute bill that uh, – took the place of the earlier one. There's some improvements in the substitute bill because the prohibition against using the name Dixie and the new name of the university was taken out, okay. which is good. Yeah. And then uh, there's also some provisions that are much uh, require much more um, involvement with the community, with the alumni of the community, and uh, it's just uh, in that regard, it requires a lot more collaboration and involvement. We'll set up a committee that will help select the new new name. And uh, what that means is that the, the name Dixie can remain in the name of the university if that's what the committee decides. Uh, it's Still, there's a lot of detail to put in there, and, and the university still has a certain amount of control of the process. And so we have to see how that goes, if there's going to be good cooperation or if there's going to still be some stress. So... Um, and, and, you know, the devil's in the details. There are still some issues, some problems with it, and um, in, in just what can and can't be done to get to the point of a, you know, a final name. But obviously we're still pushing for the name Dixie. Is this an olive branch? Have they said, all right, here's what we want to do. We want to make some changes to make, uh, make you guys happy and have peace in this matter, or is it not going far enough? Well, um but, I, you know, it's a compromise. I don't think it goes far enough, but I think I think Don Ibsen has done his very best to get something good done under the circumstances, and, uh, you know, that's that's appreciated. Don Ibsen has, uh, has stated publicly that he does not want the name Dixie taken off of our uh, university here in southern Utah. Uh, he, it seemed like to me, and this is just a casual observance, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like to me Don decided, look, there's no way that we can stop this thing, so let's change this thing. Is that accurate, do you think? I think that is part of it. I think that's part of the challenge. There's, there are limitations on which we done, and that's what, uh, you know, it's politics and yeah. compromise and that's you know the way it goes 
So, so Tim, uh, what's the next step now for House Bill uh, 278, and what's what's going to happen here? Well, it had, it got, there's only a couple of days left of the session, so that's when it ends, and it, it will be voted on in the next few days, and, and be, then that that will go forward as the new new approach on this. If it gets voted, if, if it's a positive vote, then uh, then will we uh, be be a lot more involved in what what happens uh, with the, with the We're, university's name? We will. The community will be much more involved. If this plays out, if it's uh, done right, it's done appropriately and fairly, the community will be very much more involved, and we may have a better result. All right. He's Certainly than we were headed before. Thank you, Tim, so much. Anything else we need to know? Nope. It's just, uh, you know, a winter day in Salt Lake. I can't wait to get back. Yeah, we'd like to have you back. Thank you, Tim. That was Tim Anderson from the DSUHC talking about the, the bill to change Dixie State the University's name, how they backed off of it, changed it a little bit. It's kind of an interesting uh, uh, new wording in the bill. Uh, I think that uh, you know a lot of people were getting getting after State Senator Don Ibsen uh, for, they called it caving or, or turncoating. But I think what he's done is uh, he's made it so that we have a lot more impact. I think he saw the writing on the wall and realized if I don't if I don't change this bill, this bill is going to be major detriment to uh, to Dixie State. All right, we've got Chris Stewart on the line, U.S. Re- uh, House of Representative uh, Chris Stewart from the state of Utah. Chris, thank you for coming on today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That's always something I look forward to, Andy. Great to be with you. Are you uh, you're between meetings? Are you sitting in a car uh, between between buildings or what? I I, I feel oh. lucky to get you. Oh, you know, I'm just kind of hanging around, waiting to go golf. Maybe I'll go sunbathing this afternoon. I don't think Haven't that's really true. Decided. I, I don't. I, I would. I would venture to guess that you have never sunbathed in your life, Chris. I can honestly say I never have. Uh, I, I never will. I get my tan the old-fashioned way, and that's hopefully working out in the yard. Used yeah. to be working out on the ranch, right? But. Yeah. Uh, but no, if I if you ever see me at this at the Sunbed store, just go ahead and uh, and do whatever it takes to change my mind on that. All right. <laughs> You're like my wife. If you you can't hold still, and and that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we were. I was reading a, an op-ed piece that you wrote. Uh, I think it was for FoxNews.com. Anyway, it was it was about spying and and more specifically about spying on citizens of the United States of America. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, that that's not really happening or that's not going to happen. Is it Chris? Yeah, it is. Uh. It's remarkable. I mean, this should, this should just scare the life out of people. And, and let me explain that. What I mean by that very, very briefly, you have what we call the IC, the intelligence community. And, you know, with my background in the military and, you know, one of the senior members on the intelligence uh, committee now, uh, you know, this is where I spend a lot of a lot of my time. A lot of my work is on national security and intelligence. You have these incredibly powerful agencies like the CIA, the NSA, uh, DIA, all of these you know alphabet agencies that a lot of people are familiar with, and they have incredible power, and incredible resources, and the ability to you know to surveil and look in pretty stunning ways. And we're okay with that because their targets have always been, always been. And the language is really clear, non-U.S. citizens on non-U.S. soil. Yeah. So if you have a, a known terrorist who, who we're targeting and they come to here to the United States, the CIA and the NSA can no longer target them. They have to, at that point, turn it over to the Department of Homeland Security or to the FBI. There is an enormous wall 
between U.S. citizens and foreign targets of these powers, terrorists or whether they're Chinese operatives or whatever. And the Biden administration wants to do what the Obama administration did, and that's to break down that wall. And, you know, what it is is they've said that uh, the greatest threat facing our country isn't, you know, the rise of China. It's not, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un with nuclear missiles or, or you know, Russia or anything else. They, they say the greatest threat facing our nation is white nationalism, and they have to turn these awesome powers of the IC onto American citizens. As I said, Andy, it should terrify people. It should, it should infuriate people to think that they would violate that standard that you don't use these assets to spy on Americans and we and we will we have to stop them from doing that and, and a couple of reasons to be infuriated number one of course is that we would be subject to spying on but also that they would be reallocating whatever huge resources that are involved in in what these organizations do and point it back toward us it just seems nonsensical it's 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 at least nonsensical, and it's frankly worse than that. And you bring up two good points. But look, if they say, well, white nationalism or white supremacy is one of the greatest threats facing our country, well, they can define nearly anyone as a white, as a white supremacist or a white nationalist. I mean, frankly, they would, and, I'm, and I really mean this, they would define anyone who voted for Trump that way. Yeah. I mean, for four years, they told us what a racist Trump was. They said he was a dictator. He's a fascist. He's a he's a nationalist. That he was virtue signaling or, you know, using these dog whistle codes to white supremacists all over the country and essentially saying anyone who followed him uh, believed the same thing. And so they're not going under after the Aryan nations. They're not going after, you know, these, you know, small groups that we've known about for years. They would define it much more broadly than that. And it would allow anyone who was a political opponent to fall under, again, these, these awesome powers of these agencies. And it just can't happen. We just can't allow it to happen. Yeah, it's, it's actually scary. Is, is there some innocent concern on their part, or is this all just a, a political agenda? Well, I think it's, I mean, to, to be generous, there's probably some legitimate concern on some of their parts, and I think we all share that. Uh, look, the, what happened here on January 6th was, was outrageous. It shouldn't yeah. happen, and those people should be prosecuted, and they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I have always said that. But you can't use that tragedy as an excuse to say, well, you know, uh, all, all Americans are subject, all Americans are suspicious, and we're going to look at them. You just can't use this event to now say, well, Constitution may not matter as much as it used to. It's, it's just outrageous to make that argument. It seems like the left does that a lot. They take uh, incidences and, and they say, all right, well, this happened, so we now need to do this. It, that seems like they make that conclusion a lot. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, and they're brilliant at it. I mean, they're, they're deliberate at it. They're thoughtful about it, and they're really good at it. And, you know, there's this old adage that, you know, we say all the time, uh, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste, but they really mean it, and, <laughs> yeah. they're, and they're good at it. And this is a good example of it. And, Andy, and I remember we talked about this, and I, and I remember watching these events unfold on, on the 6th here, and, and I had a unique view on it because I wasn't on the floor. I was actually in an, in an office where I could watch had windows i could watch the whole thing 
And I remember this this overwhelming impression that this was going to change everything, that this was a, a seminal moment. And it's, and it's really true, and we're seeing that. And there are many, many people in government who will use that event, as I said, as a reason to, uh, to come after their fellow Americans and to do things that the Constitution clearly does not and should not allow them to do. It's almost like, uh, well, I, I said on this show last week, somebody got after me a little bit, but like put, putting a bumper sticker on your car that, that somebody doesn't like, and that gives the other person a reason to attack you or maybe verbally or, or otherwise just because they don't like your bumper sticker. Now, we're th- I'm not talking about inflammatory, you know, evil, uh, riot-inducing bumper stickers, but I'm talking about things that somebody, oh, I, I don't like that particular band or that particular school that uh, that uh, you are advertising on your car. It's the same, I guess. That's the same concept of jumping to those uh, those quantum leap conclusions. Yeah, and you know, we, again, we've seen it. We've seen it in other cases. And then let's go back a couple of years when, you know, we were worried about the threat of terrorism as we should be, and we and we have been. And and for example, uh, overlaying that was was some of the just tragic tragic events we had with mass shootings, and and there was a strong push here in Washington D.C. to say that uh, anyone on the no flight list should own a weapon. Well, the problem with that is there's literally millions of Americans on the no-fly list, and a lot of them don't even know that they're on the list, and there's no reason for them to be on the list. They completely violated anyone's due process and anyone's ability to defend themselves and, and claimed a constitutional right because of that. And so, you know, this is just one example of just pecking, 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 just a little bit at a time of you know, not just the Second Amendment constitutional right, but the right of free speech, as you just said. You're, you know, if you're terrified of offending someone and if you're terrified, you're going to lose your job, as we've seen. Or for heaven's sakes, we've seen examples where people got fired and lost their job, not for something they said, but for something their spouse said, or in another case, something their children said. I mean, we shouldn't live in a world where we're so terrified of, of losing these fundamental rights that, you know, our grandparents and our parents just took for granted that they'd never lose. Man, oh, man, uh, you, you got me a little bit worried, Chris. What, what are you doing and what can we do about, about uh, what they're talking about doing to us? Well, and I, I don't want to be pessimistic because I, I don't think all is lost at all. But when, I, when you say I've got you a little worried, I don't mean to do that. But, I mean, I think we should be concerned. All Americans should be concerned. I mean, Ronald Reagan said something that I think, again, is often quoted, and that is essentially it was, you know, it takes one generation to lose our freedoms. And I think when he spoke about that, he was speaking mostly of a threat from overseas. But I think many of us realize that we've got to get our own house in order. So I don't want people to be worried, but I want them to be aware and I want them to be concerned. And I want them to be angry when people threaten to take away these rights. And and the, the bottom line is we can defend them. They can't take these rights from us unless we allow them to. Uh, and if we'll stand up to them and say, no, we're not going to allow you to do this, and this, is, uh, and this is just beyond the line that we will cross, then we can defend these rights. I'm confident of that. Chris, uh, we're running short on time. I wanted to ask you, do you have any more books in the offering? I know you're a super busy guy as a congressman, but uh, uh, we kind of miss uh, you as the uh, Chris Stewart, the author. Anything out there? Yeah, thanks for asking. That's kind of a, a question. I'll go, you know, I got 10 hours a week on an airplane and I use most of that time to write. So nice. I'm trying to finish trying to finish a book uh, in the next two weeks. I've got a deadline and hopefully we've got that one and then one more in the works after that. So I, I love to write. It's it's a way that I think I can kind of share ideas and and, uh, and I'll probably write until 
I don't know, until I'm 98 and they finally make me quit. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's Chris Stewart, congressman representing the state of Utah. Chris, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us today. It's always fun. Thank you. And let's do it again before too long. Absolutely. Chris Stewart. Okay, uh, see you, Andy. See you later. 957 on News Radio 890 949 KDXU. I have uh, I would be remiss if I missed uh, thanking one of the uh, big show sponsors. It's Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant. His specialty is well, taking care of you, the customer. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. Right now online 522 reviews uh, for Joe Shoney's business New American Funding and uh, the average is a phenomenal 4.91 stars. Uh, you you just scroll down the list. It's five star, five star. Five star. I mean, I'm I'm scrolling pages after pages after pages of five star reviews for Joe Shoney and his business. Now his specialty again is customer service, and it has to do with the loan industry. If you need a loan, if you need a refi, if you need uh, I don't know a home equity line uh, or, or or some other line of credit, reverse mortgage, whatever it might be, Joe Shoney is really really good at it, and he's really really good at explaining to you every step of the way what happens. Give him a call today at 435-590-6300, 435-590-6300 for Joe Shoney. Have you heard of KeepDixieGreat.com? At KeepDixieGreat.com, we love Dixie and are fighting to keep the Dixie name at our university. You know, a portion of every sale goes to DSUHC.org to help them fight to keep the Dixie name through legal means. Check out our Andy Griffin Show t-shirts, Sugarloaf t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and other swag. And right now, tees are two for $30 if you use the promotional code KDXU. That's two t-shirts for $30 with the promotional code KDXU. It's KeepDixieGreat.com where shipping is always free.